To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the 30 Minute Lockdown, where we give you news and views of the NBA and NFL sports world in 30 minutes or less. I am your host, Coach Defense, bringing you another class episode of the 30 Minute Lockdown, one of our popular shows on this channel here on the network. And we're going to bring you episode 39 this weekend. Uh, Aaron, it's been different though, for the last few weeks in regards to uh, the 30 Minute Lockdown, been doing different exposés and different, uh, cover different stories and things of that nature. And uh, since I've done this show, we're 39 episodes in, ironically enough. Uh, you know, I've shortened the content down and not doing longer form content from a podcast perspective, but just me myself, you know, on the show, you know, most shows I do on my channel are collaborative. So, you know, I have a sports talk with Coach and Curry. I got Lightning Fast podcast with Alex and, uh, and the Wild West podcast with the other three gentlemen uh, that we do it as well uh, with in, in that particular space. So, you know, I haven't done longer, I guess you can say solo longer form content or just talking content just we're just discussing issues right so this week we're going we're going to ratchet it up this week we're going to talk about it. let's talk about some things this week we got three topics i want to broach um and just just break them down and 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 really underscore what the problems are here in these particular uh narratives that have been drawn up uh first and foremost i want to talk about eric Bienemy. um getting back to his uh story i was talking about him you know in several spaces uh ever since he's gone through the uh, I guess you can say the pipeline of being selected as the as, you know pseudo head coach or or, or and, and uh, play caller, offensive coordinator for the Commanders. Uh, I talked about that decision and what that ultimately uh, meant for his uh, career path. Um, and I want to get back into it because of, they're really at the at the crossroads of the season at this moment. And um, I see some writings on the wall, and I want to talk about exactly what that means for him going forward. Um, also, hearing rumblings about the Chargers uh, head coaching. Uh, search um you know i think it's widely reported or widely expected that brandon sterling's days are numbered um and they're already in talks about who we think the next person should be for the job now the two people that are drawing headlines i don't agree with so i'm gonna tell you exactly why i don't agree with that and why it's a bad look and why they should not go in that direction so i'm talking about that and third i'm going to talk about the bills i've been very uh adamant about uh the bills being here recently being a, a fire waiting to happen like it literally it's it, the gasoline was poured, all he had to do was light the match. And I feel like somebody lit the, lit the match, and he's, even though it was cold in Buffalo, it's a slow burn. The, the, the implosion is coming. So I want to talk about them as, as we wrap this up and get into exactly what I believe is ultimate uh, demise of the Buffalo Bills as we currently know it. So starting off, like I said, I want to talk about Eric Bieniemy. I, I got a real issue. I got a real issue with, you know, everything that gone on with uh, him and his uh, ultimate selection to go to the commanders to, to coach and be the OC, right? Because everybody knows at this particular point in time that's been following his uh, his story is that he's had this narrative around him that he doesn't call plays, uh, which, again, I just, I mean, from my personal perspective, I think it was just a goalpost move to just to keep him out of the head coaching conversation. Um, I think they did everything they could for some reason. Still unbeknownst to me what the big issue is against him being, uh, you know, the leader of a team is the why uh, he has been passed over so many times. But, you know, it's interesting that he had, you know, they paint all these narratives around him, giving all these negative conversations about, you know, who he is as a person, right? But it's funny to me that everybody that plays under him in whatever stretch, Kansas City or now in Washington, speak glowingly about him. So I, I really don't get the the idea that, you know, this stuff is still holding weight, right? And the reason why he's still having to do certain things. And by certain things, I mean taking a lateral position. Because, again, you know, it might have been a collaborative effort between him and Andy Fires calling plays um, in uh, in KC. But 
you know, Andy made it clear on multiple occasions that he he calls the plays. He's the main person that comes up with schemes, the game plans. He consults Andy, but he's the main guy calling the plays. He's the main guy calling up with schemes and things of that nature. And he was the ultimate catalyst in winning the Super Bowl last year. Andy said it himself. It's the fact that he drew up a certain uh, look and certain design of a play or sets of plays that were very problematic for uh, teams like the Eagles and ultimately got them a go-ahead touchdown. Uh, in, in certain spaces to allow them to propel them to win their second Super Bowl under his uh, while he was there as as an OC. So I just really think it's a really bad look when it comes down to exactly what uh, Eric Bieniemy is facing. Um, he literally had to basically take a lateral position in a sense and go to the Commanders and and air quote prove that he has to be uh, a dominant and and play caller without. Uh, you know, the Andy Reid shadow hanging over him, right? In order to 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 prove to the masses that he is he can stand on his own merit, which I think is bogus. But let's just talk about what, what the facts are at this particular moment in time. Cause I really feel like again, he was in a lose-lose situation. When again, it's still it's puzzling to me from a from a logistical perspective, but it's not puzzling to me from a, a moral perspective, but it's puzzling to me from a logistical perspective why he's not in consideration for a head coach and why he hasn't gotten a job as of yet. So in the history of what he's gone through in the last several years, right, he's been passed over 16 times for head coaching jobs by 15 different teams. Two, a team interviewed him twice and still turned him down. That's the that's the facts. He's won two Super Bowls as offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Now, mind you, in certain other people's cases, a lot of other people's cases, matter of fact, every other people's case except for Eric Bieniemy, seemingly, if you won one Super Bowl, or you even if you Shane Steichen and, and Jonathan Gannon's place case, if you were just if you just go to the Super Bowl. You get a head coaching job. Not Eric Benemy, though. Not Eric Benemy, though. So he won, he not only went to three Super Bowls, but he won two of them as OC. So again, we talked about the whole idea of having to debunk the narrative by him taking the OC job for the commanders. Now, what we also know is that, and I, st- I underscored this uh, you know, in previous podcasts, that we knew before he even uh was in consideration for the job that the commanders were on their on the way to being sold to a different owner. We knew that that was a that was a given, and it was going to happen swiftly, and it was going to likely happen if it, if anybody came in as a new uh, personnel person that they, they were going to be under new management at some point in their tenure, right? So Eric Bieniemy was no different. So he be, took the OC job knowing that uh, you know he hadn't had a whole lot of options. One, he also didn't re- realize that him taking this job was a air quote proving point, and and knowing that the management could change and things could ultimately change for the team as a whole uh, going forward, because we don't know what the new ownership group at the time didn't know who they were. Uh, it's a Josh Harris group now with Matt Johnson, Josh Harris and those guys. But we didn't know how they were going to feel about the current regime. Coaching staff, right? They're going to be like, they're going to came in the very first day and just swept, swept changes and got rid of everybody. Who knew? But again, he felt like he was forced to take this job in order to, you know, go through these hoops and limps and, 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 and these hurdles to prove himself, right? So he he only he literally took a lateral job and his only job that was available to him, right? So in looking at the brass tacks of it all and saying what he has done for this team and uh, in ten games, uh, they only passed for three thousand four hundred seventy-two yards as a team in seventeen games last year with Eric with uh, Carson Wentz and Sam Howell and Taylor Heineke being a the quarterback. They through ten games already they've already passed for two thousand four hundred sixty-six yards through ten games. They up their total ranking in offense by four, going from 20 to 16th um, in this year, and the year's still going on. 
And Sam Howell, at this very moment, this day, listen to this video on a Thursday, he's leading the league in passing yards. So, um, and I mean, I would be remiss in by saying that if we didn't understand and realize that the offense for the Chiefs is very different now than it was when, when Eric Benjamin was there. So, who really was the driving force behind that success? Now, I'm not taking any credit away from Andy. I love Andy Reid. But I would like to believe that Eric Benjamin had a large hand in the in the in the idea of that office being so dominant and being so uh I guess you can say scary for lack of a better term um in years past uh because people did really were uh up on sleepless type of nights as a defensive coordinator trying to figure out how to stop this particular offense and people aren't scared of them as much today as they were in years past and the common denominator in this with the office being better in Washington and is slowly getting uh, slowly trickling down in KC is Eric Bieniemy's presence. Let's be real about it. Let's be real about it. So, what do we feel like the the likely outcome is going to be? So, the new ownership of the Commanders will likely be going to fire around very after twenty twenty three. I think they've seen enough. I don't. I don't believe they realize really feel like based upon what Magic has said, a few others have said that they don't really feel like he's the guy. So, in, in that in that particular vein, is Ron Rivera's staff will be a, will be a casualty or likely casualty of these firing? I think it will. So, which also meaning truly because, again, he didn't have a whole lot of options and he felt like he had to get out of KC to debunk these fake narratives. He had to uh, get a, another OC job and stand on his own two feet, right? Stand on his own merit, right? As, I'm not, because I don't want to use that analogy because yeah, I feel like he's been standing on his own two feet this whole time. But people are was keep creating these, you know, air quote uh, storylines to say that he wasn't uh, the, the uh, a big part of why the KC had a success, which is clearly true at this moment. So, again, so what does that leave him? I feel like he's gonna have he's gonna go back to square one. He's gonna be passed over again for coaching jobs like most other teams have done. I don't think much ownership has changed. Um, I don't really I don't see I don't foresee the the commanders uh I guess you say front office uh elevating him as head coach and in, in lieu of uh Ron Rivera. I think they're just gonna cut bait with everybody on that staff. That's typically what most people do. They don't typically elevate within staff and cut to everybody else. They don't typically do that. They particularly bring in a whole different new regime. That's typically what they do in the league. I feel like that's what they're going to do. So they're going to put it back to square one. Um, he's likely going to, you know, be interviewed as part of the Rooney rule, but he'd be passed over. And I think ultimately he, he's going to probably end up back up in, in, uh, in KC. And and clearly because their struggles are, are, are prevalent in, in KC, they're going to welcome him back with open arms. And he'll be back back to, you know, winning at a high clip and, and flourishing with Patrick Mahomes. But again, for some crazy reason, you know, you infer what you want to infer about why the true reason why he's not getting a job is, but on paper, logistically, statistically, you know, and everything in between, you know, players, coach, all that, you name any player that he played for outside of Shady McCoy, because I think he just didn't like to be coached and held accountable. I think that everybody loves Eric Benjamin. I really do believe that. And I do believe that he's a really good leader of men. And I think if given the opportunity, he will be good for your franchise. But yet again, you know, for reasons that you can infer on your own, there is a reason why he's not getting a coaching job and it's not his his ability at all. I'm going to leave it at that. So speaking of coaching uh, decisions, um, as a Chargers fan and most people that are Chargers fans at this particular point, and especially on social media there, we are completely utterly exhausted of Brandon Stiller at this point. Uh, he has not delivered in any uh, one bit of iota what he promised to deliver to this franchise. And that's, you know, what he was ultimately good at. And that's on the defensive side of the ball. The defense has been a total and complete dumpster fire since he's been there. 
And to have the highest percentage of salary on the defensive side of the ball in the league, practically one or two, it fluctuates between one and two. Uh, after the first year of his tenure being there out of three, he's had two good years of really good personnel and spent a whole lot of money on defense on defense side of the ball and has been the last and laugh, last one of the, the last uh, offense defensive is rating uh, units in the league and has been a laughing stock of the league practically in his entire time he's been head coach. So, to be practically dead last in, in most categories in the league in, in defense, total defense, passing, rushing, you name it. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's tragic at this point. Uh, I think it's clearly, you know, it's clear to most Chargers fans that they want to be done. And I think that if the Spanos family is at, at, at the least bit hands-on, they are going to likely move over Brandon Staley after his second season, the third season of underachieving with this team. And you really don't want to go through the same process of of wasting away another franchise quarterback. Uh Fred Rivers largely wasted they wasted his career and his abilities. Um and I hope that they see being in a bigger market that they need to be more aggressive when it comes down to their decision making and hopefully that will land a better coach. However, I'd be remiss if I didn't address the rumors that have been swirling. If you look at this on YouTube, you see the two candidates on the screen. Uh, Bill Belichick have somehow or some way, some some fans have been linked to possibly taking over the Chargers job if Brandon Staley is fired, um, as well as Jim Harbaugh. Now, um, both these men is, have been in the news for negative reasons in the past and in the present. Uh, and it's, you know, hanging a, it, loom, it looms a shroud in the dark cloud on their coaching uh, processes. I'm going to call it that. Um, so, with that being said, um, I'm I'm going to briefly go over the fact that uh, while in name recognition only, you know, you would consider these guys as head coaching candidates. But I'm going to explain in 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 hopefully in in enough detail to get you to understand that these are not guys that you want to sign up for, in my personal opinion. So, starting off with Bill Belichick. Now, again, I, I, we see ha- what has happened with him since Tom Brady left. We've seen it. it it's not good. It's not good. It's, a, it's completely an utter uh, downward spiral ever since Tom left. So, and then we get got a clear understanding of what Tom did for that franchise and that organization over that 20-year period and and how well they flourished and how he, well he covered up things for them to allow for them to be good and dominant and be a dynasty for that stretch of the 2000s, right? Um, but Bill, to me, carries a lot of red flags. You know, the the shroud of his cheating scandals, multiple cheating scandals, will always carry carry with him. It will always follow him. Uh, you know, him starting fresh on a new organization, I, I, I just, I'm not sure that's something that you want to have to actively address, in my opinion. Um, because it will always be questions and wonders. And with this new scandal cropping up with Jim Harbaugh here recently, it's going to bring back people thinking about other people that they've air quote, allegedly cheated in certain spaces, right? So people are going to start believe, be thinking about, you know, Bill being up for a different job or being traded away from uh, the Patriots and, and ultimately, you know, coaching another team. Because I think, honestly, truly, I really think Bill's in this coaching particular coaching game still enough to break the all-time winning record. And I think he's out. I really believe that's that's his that's his end game and that's his goal. He wants to break the all-time wins record. And then once he does that, he's done. 
He don't care about winning the more Super Bowls. He don't care about winning the more playoff games. He just want to win enough games to be the all-time leader in wins as a coach, and he's done. I think that's I think that's his end goal. Hence why he wants to even still be coaching after Tom left. But I believe that Bill Belichick, again, the shroud of his cheating scandals is a big flag. Number one. You don't want to you don't want to start a, you don't want that shroud to be over your organization. That that's that's the big problem. Also, Bill is going to likely want the same type of role and, and decision-making power that he has in, in New England with the new team. You know, I understand the commanders and, and as well as the Chargers have been linked. So, but I don't I don't agree that that either team should sign up for Bill Belichick at this point in the game. Because clearly it goes back to my point about how Tom Brady masked a lot of his deficiencies, right? Now, I will say that Bill is really good at being efficient on special teams and defense. He will improve those those areas. But what he does well, he's completely utter inept in others. So with him wanting GM and personnel control, that's been a complete and utter dumpster fire for his entirety of his career in New England. So with personnel selection and drafting being so paramount nowadays when you have these high-end quarterbacks making all, all these dollars and, and using up a lot of the salary cap, you have to be savvy with your free agency moves and your drafting. And Bill hasn't been graded either. So for the Chargers' perspective especially, do you really want to – I know more people give Tom Telesco a lot of crap, but holistically, you know, outside of one or two foo paws here or there, you know, hiccups, he's been pretty good with personnel. He's been pretty good. All the play, players that we revere that's on the team right now, although they're not playing up to the, to the potential they could be playing based upon who was coaching them, they're, they're good, and we praise them. He drafted Derwin James. He drafted Joey Bosa. You know, he, he drafted Justin Herbert. You know, I mean, just to, just to name it for you, he drafted Rashawn Slater. He drafted Zion Johnson, Jamari Salyer, you know, Kenneth Murray. You know, he drafted Asante Samuel. Drafted JT Woods. You know, I think he drafted Lowy Gilman, too. Yeah, he drafted Lowy Gilman, too. So all the guys, just to name a few, all the guys that you praise, Tommy Kellis was responsible for. Do you think that if Bill Belichick was in charge of personnel, he would have drafted anybody close to that? I mean, just look at his drafting history. It's all been whiffs, especially in the last four to five years. He has no pulse on the college game and who who was, uh, you know, a, a talented person to allow him to be able to elevate his ability to coach on the field. He he, he lacks that. He's completely it's a complete blind, blind spot for him. So, do you really want to sign up for that? I know I don't. I do not want to sign up for him controlling the front office from a personal perspective and doing things on the field as head coach. Things will be better if versus what we've had in the last two or three coaches. I get that. So there is there's a level of uh order that will be will be had, you know. And I harken back to me being a big Star Wars fan. I harken there will be a lot of it's like the evil empire. It will be order in securing a safe and secure society, but it will not be good from a personal perspective. Because in, in this particular junction, where the league is and where the team is at in 2024, we're going to have to get good on the cheap end really fast. Because we have a lot of guys that are expensive. We're going to like, likely have to cut bait with a few. And you're going to have to replace them with cheap, younger talent. And you got to hit in the draft this year. Got to hit in the draft this year. And especially in those mid-rounds. If you don't hit, then we're going to be we're going to take steps back from a personal perspective. And I promise you that Bill and, and would, would definitely come in and fumble that completely. Can't have it. Can't do it. Can't put up with it. Sorry. Like I said, he's been horrific at drafting and personal selections.
for the entirety of his stay. Tom Brady just made it work. And like I said, you know, we always will question if he does come in to LA and win, you will always question whether or not he's doing something nefarious. That's just it. I I just think you need to go younger in this regard. I think the game has passed Bill by. I really do. I don't think it's a it's a good idea to sign up for anything regarding Bill Belichick at this point, no matter what he's done in the past. And that's just the facts. Now, I will say this. Now, Jim Harbaugh does not scare me as much, but I think that is the bad timing for him. I do. Because I believe those, those allegations that he's facing, whether it's fate, it's fact or fiction, it's a bad look. And again, that goes back to the personnel, but the 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 problem I got, I alluded to about Bill Belichick, the shroud and the and the dark cloud that is going to hover over him right now to being the head coach of an NFL team is going to raise eyebrows for everybody. They're always going to wonder until you prove glowingly and and definitively that you're not dirty and nefarious. You will ultimately, you know, be judged unfairly in certain spaces if you didn't do what they claim you did. So do you really want to change the guard and try to uplift your franchise with guys that have negative conversations on them right now? I don't think you do. That's just from a PR perspective and nothing else. I do believe Jim Harbaugh, you know, you know, you know, despite what Bill Belichick's shortcomings are, I do believe Jim Harbaugh will be better for the team from that perspective, I think that he will know exactly who to get from a from a personnel perspective for drafting because he's been deeply invested in the college game for recruiting for the last three to four years, for sure. Well, even longer than that, actually, ironically. So he'll have exactly what – he'll know exactly who to go after from a college perspective for the next three years. I get that. But just the negative connotations around him gives me pause about him being coached now. Now, if this stuff hadn't happened or, or or it just, or he gets exonerated, then I might be back on the idea of, of having him as a coach. But the negative conversation around him and, and the scandal, and this is multiple times that he's been in the news for negative reasons at this point. I'm just not sure it's, it's, the right, it's the right move to do at this particular juncture. You don't want to jump on the, on the time, you don't want to jump on the train when, it, when it's really bad in the papers. It, it's, you just don't want to do it. You know, you want to have some better press about you before people will sign up for you being a franchise leader and turning the team around and finally getting them to the point where they can fulfill their potential. That's just me. So holistically, you know, we I think we understand that moving off of Staley is a must. I do think we all believe that. I think they should not take the next candidate and choosing him lightly. I do not believe they should do that. I think they should really think long and hard about who, who they should get. But then I do believe the Harbaugh and Belichick are not the answer at the moment. I don't think they are. I don't think they're the move. I really don't. Um, you know, just for PR and 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 it just personnel decision making, uh, you know, alone is just was, was enough to make you want to go in a different direction. Honestly, truly, I think that the people, the three people they really should deeply consider um, is Kellen Moore, first and foremost, the person that's in house, um, is being the heir apparent and being the office of minor head coach. And he can bring in a rock star defensive staff to to complement his uh, his offensive unit. I think that should be the number one person you should consider because he's in the house already. Uh, I believe that Ben Johnson is another candidate. He's going to be hot in the market for another uh, head coaching job because of what he's doing in Detroit. We saw it firsthand this past week against going against the Lions. Ben Johnson is a rock star. He's a, he's a guru in the place of calling Savant. So Justin Herbert would benefit deeply. From having Ben Johnson as quarterback, can you imagine if if Jefferson Herbert was the quarterback of the Lions right now? How how unbeatable they would be right now with those weapons in that old line? 
you know, and he has something similar to that, like that in, in that effect go, coming to the Chargers. It's something similar, not exactly the same, but similar. So I think Ben Johnson would be a great fit for the, for the Chargers to be the head coach. Uh, and Eric Bieniemy, I think Eric Bieniemy is another one coming back to the division, having his own team, another office-minded guru, uh, play-calling guru, and a leader of men. So if you want people to follow you and 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 respect you from a play-calling and a leader of men perspective, Eric Bieniemy is your guy. Eric Bieniemy is your guy, and I think you can't go wrong with any any three of those candidates. So I think those should be your top three gets if when they're available, because I do believe that all three will be available at the season end. Um, you just got to jump on, interview them all, and, and choose the best guy for the job that you feel like he's going to lead this team. And who are they going to bring in? I would ask questions, too, of who they feel like they want to bring in from a defense perspective. If the, if the guys aren't uh, you know, up to snuff when it comes down to the idea of them being viable candidates, they can turn this defense around, then then you move on. You know, you go down the line and see who has the best staff uh, pending available to allow for that to change. But I would definitely lean towards the office of my head coach, in my opinion. That's why I would do. And hopefully that they can uh, understand and read the room and what's popping and current in the league and understand that that should that's the way of the world at this moment. Defensive head minded head coaches are not the wave. They're not the wave, and they're slowly but surely fizzling out. I think Sean McDermott, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, is on his way out. And uh, I don't think I think at the end of this day, I think Mike Vrabel and and, and Pete, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, and and Mike Tomlin probably be the only three that are left that are defensive minded head coaches that they'll have jobs sooner than later, in my personal opinion. So. That's what the Chargers should do. I'm going to move on to the Bills now. I've talked about in several podcasts about the issues that are festering in Buffalo. You know, I was when I started my podcast, I was really high on Josh Allen. I was really high on the idea that the Bills could really take the next step and finally maybe bring a, a, a Super Bowl home to this franchise. But ever since I said that in the, in the, in the, in the infancy of this podcast, it's trickled down and it's gotten deteriorated worse and worse and worse as the gears goes on in year three of this network. And, and I've underscored in, in different spaces of why that is. And I really feel like they're on their road to a pinning implosion of Buffalo. I really think it's going to completely and utterly blow up from the inside and they're going to go down in flames as being a highly unachievable, unachieving or, or, or I guess you can say team that did not meet their potential to a large degree. I mean, we were talking about Super Bowl contention two years ago when they went against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Now, we don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. So, let's talk about the timeline because as you can see on the screen, Stephon Diggs is upset. He's barking at Josh Allen. McDermott fired Ken Dorsey of all things. Didn't think that was a great move. And, you know, here we are. So, if you look back on it, we had Diggs blow up after the playoff loss in 2022 as you saw on the screen. You know, he had words for Josh Allen and, and, and the organization, and he was very upset about the things that happened and how they uh, laid an egg against the Bengals, you know, for lack of a better word, lack of a better term, right? Um, you know, and that particular blow-up, you know, festered and it lingered. They didn't have a talk or conversation about it. It just kind of just kind of let it be, let it let it lay, and it festered over into minicamp. To the point where Stefan decided he did not want to report to mini, mandatory minicamp, citing differences between the team, the quarterback, and himself, right? Now, let me break that down really quickly. Stefan knows and understands what I understand that this team can only win one way. And that's when Josh Allen plays hero ball 
and and try to do everything from a running, passing, you know, blocking. I mean, he wants to do it all. And if he if short of him playing complete other hero ball because they don't have a a, a a solid running game at all, it's very it's very troublesome how bad their running game is to be in a cold weather team. Uh, they don't have a number two receiver. Uh, and until then, and so up until now, when they get Dawson K, didn't have a number one tight end. I mean, Dawson Knox is serviceable, but you know he wasn't a Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or George Kittle, you know, you know Dallas Goddard level player. He wasn't that. When CJ Hawkinson, so he understood that all the teams really had to do was literally focus on him, bracket him, and keep two people on him to allow for Josh not to have any windows to throw to him, and that's how you beat him. And that's what how they got. That's how they lost in the Bengals uh, playoff game. That's how they lost. Watch all 22, and you'll see that they kept eyes on Diggs, and they shadowed him and followed him everywhere he went, and he did not get the ball in a large space on top of the weather being bad. And for the simple fact that he knew that if they had a number two receiver, they wouldn't be able to do that at high clip. So that was the issue. On top of the fact that, again, the play calling business has been different um, since the Brian Dayball left, and Josh Allen has ultimately regressed from the time Dayball's left until now. He sees all of this, and he's like, "Look, and we we need to fix this and fix this now. And if you give Josh more support, more help, i.e., a solid running game, i.e., another number two receiver to throw to to take the pressure off him, we're going to be doing the same thing over and over again. And that's just a level of insanity that I don't want to sign up for. Because guess what? I'm not getting any younger. This is my last big time deal that I'm on. I'm not going to get another one. And I I, I need to, and I want to win now. It's simple. He didn't like that." And he he expressed that in 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 glowing fashion to them. They had a conversation. They air quote told him they'll work on it. So it kind of they kind of quote unquote pieced it up at that point. And and they, we're going to let bygones be bygones and go to work. Um, but again, you know, multiple rants on the field. You know, during the game when not being targeted was another issue going into the season. You know, he's had you know multiple rants about how I'm not even sweating and things of that nature. He's talking about that it's been an issue because they see, still see the same thing happening, although they promised to try to do something different about it. Nothing's happened. Oh, his brother tweet something he probably was thinking, but he didn't want to tweet it because he didn't want to be implicated. But he said that Trevon said that he needs to get up out of Buffalo, which I'm sure Stefan agrees with at this point. Because again, you know, because going back to the preseason when he had his blow up, he wanted to, he wanted DeAndre Hopkins. So he just become available from Arizona because he got cut. He's like, y'all need to sign him, and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't give him another weapon. They Eric Cole wanted to believe in Gabe Davis and Cleo Shakir, who had never been consistent uh, in a, in the years that they've been there. So he was pissed off about the fact they didn't go out and get number two receiver, and they were passed over on the draft for the number one receivers in the draft because Addison. Uh, Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, and Quinn Johnson were all gone by the time they got picked. They got the chance to pick in the first round. So he's still Dalton Kincaid, which is a really good tight end. But again, he's a tight end, not a wide receiver. You need somebody on the outside taking pressure off him and, and drawing interest from corners and safeties to keep him from being bracketed all the time. They didn't do it. He didn't like it. So, you know, in the latest, you know, mind blowing loss that they had on Monday night against the Broncos, you know, the the, the air quote uh, solution was the fire OC. And I really don't believe it was OC's fault at any stretch of why they lost that game or any game they lost up to this point in the season. Indoors is not Brian Dayball, but he was serviceable. He was Josh Allen's quarterback coach the entire time that he's been there. So again, I, I don't believe the the sword should fall on Ken Dorsey, but somebody had to take the fall, right? Because because Charmin Doran like on knock a fire himself. You know, but it's a clear regression of Josh Allen that we've seen over the over the past four to five years and three to four years, I should say. 
Um, you know, outside of brand dead ball coaching, at least two two and a half years minimum, he's been regressing. And um, Stefan sees it and he doesn't like it. But I think what people aren't really grasping, and I think that if this thing goes down in a toilet completely and they don't make the playoffs, I think Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott is the issue and he's going to suffer the fate of this particular uh, failure in the sense that he's going to be fired and they're going to start over. Because I believe that um, he is truly the problem because if you look at the totality of things and, and the lack there of uh, being aggressive when it comes down to the things that they need to get done to compete in the AFC, he's the, he's the common denominator. Leslie Frazier walked out. Brian Dayball wouldn't have got another job. He fired Ken Dorsey. So he's pointing fingers at everybody else but him. But, you know, he isn't changing or, or, or staying current with the times. And I really feel like that if he does not win and win now, he's going to be out the door. And I think that's probably the best decision. I think he's a little bit out of touch with what needs to be done and what's current and what needs to happen in order for him to be competitive with uh, your office minded people of Andy Reid's caliber and, uh, and uh, Zach Taylor's with the with the Bengals. So, yeah, I think this is all all falls on Sean McDermott's uh, shoulders, and I think he's going to suffer the fate of this at the end of the season. But it's clearly not working, and I think it's going to keep going down further into the dumps because they got a tough schedule going forward. And I think that ultimately, if they do not win and win now and fix it right now, then Sean McDermott will be gone at the end of the season. That's just my take. That's just my take on it. That's gonna wrap up the show this week. Like I said, all the show uh, schedules are here. Uh, Tuesday nights, Wednesday, uh, Sports Talk with Coach Curry, nine o'clock. Wednesdays, Wild Wild podcast on seven thirty. Lightning Fast Fantasy podcast at nine thirty on Wednesdays. Thursdays, thirty minute lockdown show you're watching right now, eleven a.m. on Thursdays. And if you need to reach me in any space, I can reach on Twitter at Lockdown Defense, Lockdown Defense Sports on Instagram, Lockdown Defense Sports on Facebook. And if you need to email me, Lockdown Defense uh, Sports at gmail.com is my email address. So. That's the show for this week. And if you need to reach me in between shows, give me a holler. Um, Outside of that, I'll see you next week. Step up and lock it down.